It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the 16th episode of the official Geek Speak podcast. I'm your host, Sean. And joining as always is my co-host, Josh, Alucard apologist, Rudy Rudolph. This is the podcast where we watch movies, make movies, play games, and more. What else can you ask for? And this week, we're joined by a guest again, returning guest and friend of the podcast, Hunter Bueller-Ferris, also known on TikTok as Wholesome Film Talk, uh, previously Story at the Core, and he has amassed over uh, nearly 28,000 followers because of his love of film. Welcome back. Hi, friends. Great to see you again. So yes, Al Card apologist, Josh is on the side of Dracula in this movie. See, first I'm on the side of Mysterio, now I'm on the side <laughs> of Dracula. You know, they've they got some good points. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So, so fun fact about the name Alucard. Yes, obviously it's Dracula backward, but in the in the Universal Classic Monster Universe, the third Dracula movie. So they do Dracula, then they do Dracula's daughter, then they do Son of Dracula. And like the premise of Son of Dracula is that after Dracula died in the first movie, he came back to life in Son of Dracula, and now he's going under the name Alucard. Oh, that's fun. Like and there's it. like a shocking amount of stuff in this movie that's like a direct reference to Bram Stoker's novel. Anyway, so we are today talking about mostly our main topic, the movie, The Batman versus Dracula, which is, we'll get into more about that soon and then as a main topic segment. And of course, there are always timestamps down below to go skip around if you want to listen to a certain part. Also, every episode, we do a different Disney Channel original movie where Josh and I will go through and watch the next one from the beginning of time, the 90s, uh, up until now. Uh, and we'll see how in a short period of time, the biggest media company on earth catered towards solely children with a large sample size. We'll see any quality changes, etc. And this week's will be Horse Sense. Uh, we have news, though, that happened. News indeed. News happened. The first thing that I want to talk about is another casting for Nolan's Oppenheimer film. And Woo-hoo! he added Josh Peck from Drake and Josh fame to the cast of Oppenheimer as an undisclosed role. But yay? I'm, I'm fine with this. This, back, this reminds me back when um, the Red Dawn remake came out with Chris Hemsworth and I saw Josh Peck was in it, but like it wasn't like a minor role. He was like the second lead of the film. I thought that was really cool. And from what I remember, like he, he is a good actor and not just comedically, but I think he doesn't get the credit he deserves dramatically. So I think no matter what size of role this is, I think it's going to end up well. So I kind of want to put this, this piece of casting news in perspective of the rest of Nolan's career. Every single Nolan movie has one person playing in it who doesn't fit, and they always do an absolutely incredible job. Hold on, he was an Ice Age. Yeah, he was one of the um, uh, one of the possums. Huh. I don't remember which one he was. Oh, fascinating! I have seen him in Max Keeble's Big Move, and in Drake and Josh. 
I think that's it. I guess Ice Age too, but that's it. I'm he's he's a fun actor. Yeah. So that's a yay for me. Every Chris Nolan movie, he has at least he has one actor there who just doesn't fit, and they always do an incredible job. Whether it's Robin Williams playing a serial killer in Insomnia, or whether it's um, oh gosh, or whether it's David Bowie playing Tesla in The Prestige, or whether it's you know Heath Ledger playing the Joker. Right. That was one where like, where everyone was like, "Come on, Crispin Glover was right there," um, or like Gary Oldman playing not serious black. Um, Playing Commissioner Gordon. At the time, Gary Oldman was known for playing deranged serial killers. That was his thing. There's a reason he was cast as Sirius Black, because it was a great way to lean into everyone thinks Sirius Black is a serial killer. Um, And so you cast him as the lone good cop in the entire city. And everyone's like, really? Um, And then you can see like the same thing extending to like uh, Dunkirk, with Harry Styles playing in right. Dunkirk, and everyone was like, "Wait, what?" And or, it worked. I haven't seen the movie, but part of it worked. I cannot remember who it was in Tenet. One of his main strengths as a director is taking somebody and put and helping them grow into a, a role they're not used to doing. What's up? We got more news. We had a small break, and we're back. <laughs> We've moved location for uh, for Bueller here. He is now in his bedroom. You're muted, though. My, uh, my roommates came home, and so I figured that the bedroom would be a better place. Nice. Next up involves something that you were here for last time, and that's DC's League of Super Pets. <laughs> we got a new trailer for it, but more than that, we also got confirmation that Keanu Reeves is voicing Batman in uh, DC <laughs> Super Pets. That is such a good choice! I love it. It's, it's beautiful. How have we never had Keanu Reeves playing Batman in live action? Because I don't know. Because when Batman Begins, when that film came out, he wasn't at like his John Wick era yet of coolness. He had just finished The Matrix. And then when Batfleck came out, I think he was busy with John Wick, so he couldn't do it. He was Constantine. He was Constantine. And he has been trying so hard to get a Constantine sequel off the ground. He wants a Constantine sequel so bad. I want to bring back what's the guy from the CW, uh, Constantine Show, because he's fantastic as well. Matt, something amazing, Constantine. But yeah, I have Yay on Keanu, and I, it sounds fun. It's an instant Yay. You put Keanu Reeves in front of anything, I'm like, yes. <laughs> I love it in the trailer. Put, it's him. Want, Go on. You put Keanu Reeves with a bunch of dogs. <laughs> oh, yeah, the trailer, I don't have seen it yet, but it's him talking to Ace about how I'm like, about their tragic backstories. And it's like, my par- uh, I lost my parents. They were murdered. And he's like, and the base that Ace says, my parents were separated. I was taken from my parents. And it's them both just like brooding together and becoming best friends. I love it. It's great. So yay. Next up. Yay! Also about the Batman movie, which we've all seen now. No spoilers for Batman. Go see it if you want to, though. It's a bit dark, but it has some good messaging. So the movie uh, got is getting many spinoffs now, including... Um, what wasn't a GCPD show is now turning into a Gotham show in general, and now it's being focused officially on Arkham Asylum. That's I am I'm so excited! excited. And oh it, my gosh, Arkham specifically. Finally, thank you. You put the Arkham games, right? I love the Arkham games. Arkham Asylum was my first real introduction to Batman as a kid. Um, playing through that, the, the creepy atmosphere of Arkham Asylum, the different varieties of it, the way the villains were, the, all about, everything about it and the horrorness of it was fantastic. And so Matt Reeves doing something like that 
I'm fine with. I love the idea. Even if he's not directing, if he like has any hands on in the project, love that idea. He was did a great job with the Batman, so I'm excited for it. Last episode, we talked about the Batman in depth and good movie. Um, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it, it sucks so bad. Uh, uh, it's just terrible. The way they did Tim Drake, terrible. The way they did Dick Grayson, terrible. And you're going to bring in all three Jokers, maybe CGI and Heath Ledger's face on the Jerry Lowe. wasn't the It was a movie. terrible idea. The Batman is undeniably a movie. <laughs> um, Brimming with cinematography and score. Just kiss. So, Arkham Asylum is one of the shows, as well as a spinoff show of The Penguin with Colin Farrell and about his ties in the Gotham Underworld. Seems fun. I'm fine with it. I'm curious what it'll be because it says it's a limited series, so we're only going to get one season of it. Right. It's just meant to be adding more to this world, which is, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I, I kind of love, okay, so so uh, Sean and I were talking during the break about how, like, DC doesn't really have a single connected universe right now, and I'm like, yes, they do. It's called Matt Reeves' Batman. <laughs> yeah. They're making a Batman universe. All I ask is that this Penguin show explain why there isn't a giant iceberg in the iceberg lounge. <laughs> I want that. Just, I don't care if it's just, like, it melted over the years. I don't care. I just want a giant iceberg in that lounge for the name to or, make sense. Or. And a polar bear. Get a giant iceberg in the lounge. Yes. Like, it now. During the like during the course of the show, have like the plot of the show be Penguin wants a giant iceberg in the lounge. <laughs> and he hired Mr. Freeze, setting up the Batman 2. I would love that. That'd be great. There we go. There we go. I don't know. He like hires ice sculptors to bring an iceberg into the lounge and then realizes it doesn't stay cold. And so he tries. I don't know. I, I could see having like having over the course of the show the iceberg appear. Would be very funny. Mm-hmm. Also, hire some polar bears just for fun. If you gotta throw in at least a penguin in there. A penguin. Give them some penguins. Some wind-up toy penguins. This is why I want Baz Luhrmann making Batman. He would make that penguin. He would. Sorry, yeah. Sean and I were talking during the break about Baz Luhrmann making Batman. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a TikTok about that later. Anyway, you seen Moulin Rouge? I've seen parts of it, but I'm very familiar with Baz's style of direction. So yay on the Arkham Asylum show. Yay. 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 This is fast news. Now it's going to get more complicated. Oh, yay. This so is... let's talk about the DCEU's current slate of films. Speaking of DC right now, because currently they have three universes, technically speaking. They have the DCEU, which is a mess. They have the Batman and the Reeves now universe, which is seems strong for one movie right now. Um, and then we also have the Joker universe, which is going to have its own sequel apparently as well. And there's the Arrowverse on CW. Yeah, that's also the Arrowverse, the Titanverse. Doom Patrol is technically in its own world because um, it's a different version than the one that appeared in that one episode of Titans. Right, but cinematically, in, in, in film right now, there is the there's d- three movies continuing to go on in DC's movies that are all different universes but then with the flash you're gonna have to tie in the batman films into that and that's that's, that's a whole mess in yeah itself. it's bringing 1989 and uh 1991 to the bat uh time movies okay so but 2022 they made, they made a sizzle reel called year of dc yeah. with four films in that slate with the batman black adam um the flash and aquaman 2 mm-hmm. things have changed quite a bit actually dc's league of super pets is now coming out in july and it's July 29th, uh, so that's pretty fun, this year. And then we have, uh, on October 21st, Black Adam, then Shazam, Fear of the Gods in December, um, and then 
Aquaman Legends, uh, no Legends tomorrow. Aquaman: The Lost Kingdom is now pushed to next May of 2023, and even further than that, now the last in the slate now is The Flash, June the 23rd. 2023. I don't think the Flash movie is ever coming out. It was announced in 2014. I'm aware. I remember hearing that announcement. It was it was announced in 2014. Honestly, I feel kind of bad for Ezra Miller. <laughs> yeah. It was announced in 2014, set to come out in 2018 and part of their original DCEU slate, then pushed back every year, <laughs> at least once a year, consistently since then. What? Yeah, I mean they're filming it, which means that we'll it's happening. It. We'll see it at some point. <laughs> I've heard theories now that they are since they are using it to rewrite the DCU, that they're extending this even more to now change it again in the writing to add to make the Batman the Batman be their Batman now. Um, Don't do that, please. Okay, so a couple things along this lo- along these lines. I did a little bit of poking around of like why did DC uh, change their uh, change their release dates. And from what I've seen so far, I've seen two things. One, the success of the Batman led DC to take a different creative direction, right. which is that they want to give more creative control to the directors. Mm-hmm. They said, Matt Reeves, you nailed it. Here, James Wan, go make it James Wan style. Stop listening to us. Um, well, or really Andy Muschietti, that. go make it Andy Muschietti style. Stop listening to me kind of thing. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? I respect that. That's a very humble approach to, to take. Um, the other thing is that James Wan said, we want to connect things more to the multiverse. And I'm like, this is an Aquaman movie, but okay, I, I'm in. I like multiverses. It's hard to disappoint me with a multiverse. Apparently they want to make sure that the Batman and Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom are in the same multiverse, not in the same universe, and that yes. they can interact. And so they're changing some things to make sure that that works. Yeah, so basically right now the plan is to have Everything will exist in the DC multiverse. They'll have the main DCEU as their main universe, and they'll have other spin-off things outside of it that they can like portal to and stuff. I yeah, I desperately would want the Batman and everything in connect to it to be its own thing. I it's so fine-tuned to everything Batman specific that throwing in other things is gonna be a challenge to make it work. And it's gonna be uh, I will say the best thing about this news is they moved Shazam up. The only one that moved up. I was so happy with that because it made no sense to me that they were waiting till 2023, even though out of all those films, it's been done since last year. So I don't know why they put it in 2023. Yeah, it wrapped in last September, I think. Yeah, so <laughs> it's been done for a while. So my guess is that they felt like they had a lot of visual effects work to do. And then the visual effects work finished. And they were Got like, it. whoa, that was faster than we expected. And uh, so they, yeah. We're ready. And I'm sure some of the problems the other way around of having things like Flash also might need more VFX work or things that are might be pushed back on. And they probably don't want to have some films of their own compete with their other films. So they just move things around a bit more and keep shuffling it, which on paper is fine. It's annoying for people when the Fast Man Alive has the slowest release date. Um, a little frustrating. <laughs> but Barry's always late. So in, in comics, that makes sense. Ooh. I, I, it's interesting. Um, yay on the idea. Um, overall, I'm going to give the DCEU slate an indifferent nay. Yeah. Uh, it's a nay, though, for me. Uh, it's a nay for me because they put Shazam 2 up against Avatar 2 in the same week. No. But also, I have no idea how well Avatar 2 is going to do because it was supposed to come out back in 2016. It's been a while since then. And the first one was in 2009. 
Yes. So James Cameron, James Cameron has only made two sequels. They were Aliens and Terminator 2. Yeah. I assume this one's going to be good, but those were 30 years ago. I don't know. I mean, all um, he's been doing is just working on these four Avatar sequels. That's all he's been doing since 2009. And so, Bachelor films. That too. I think, oh. okay, both of y'all are filmmakers. Yes. You've had to announce release dates before. I just announced a release date. It, it's a really humbling experience to have to push back your release date and be like, guys, I was wrong. <laughs> and I appreciate that they are willing to go back and do things the way that they care about doing it instead of just like, and, and, and be willing to say, guys, I was wrong about our release date. It is going to take longer. That, that's a really hard thing to do. And so thank you for that. Um, but at the same time, at some point, you give yourself permission to make something bad and you say, look, it's done. Let's just put it out there. Kind of like, you know, with Shazam. Like, also hey, Shazam. it's basically done at this point. We just need to score it. it that, that's my assumption. They just like need For to do the score. Shazam, Fairly God specifically, with Helen Mirren as villain. Love that idea. Um, Billy Batson, the child superhero, actor, actor, angel is 19 going on 20 right now. He was cast too old to play the 12 year old, which became like a 15 year old. And it's going. He's, this is the last thing you could probably play the role now. Most of them, yeah. All of them are, are now going on adults. I mean, the actress that plays Mary, they're just making her like the adult version now, also, which just feels weird. I mean, the, she was eighteen in the first one. Yeah, so but it makes sense. Their Shazam version, like their Captain Marvel version of the character, isn't them as adults. It's what they imagine their adult self to be, or the perfect self. It's a positive Ooh. mental state of hers. Yeah, she's, she's like, just like, I, I am the perfect person. I'm, I'm perfect. <laughs> I love that. Hashtag wholesome. <laughs> so I'm going with the name on the slate change right now. I want them to stick to something instead of keep changing. They can change things a lot. Want to do a plan? Just do your plan. Just even if it's bad, just do your plan. That's my name. I'm yeah. going to give a eh? <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, next news is we have uh, about the movie Dune 2 and right now, or Dune. And uh, Florence Pugh is in talks to join the cast of Dune 2. I'm fine with this. Yay. I have no complaints. Yay. That, that is very much in the, in the tone of this, like, prestige drama sci-fi film. Yay. I want to say, I haven't seen Dune a second time yet. I need to see a second time to get a better judge in the film. I go back and forth. I like it or don't like it yet. I, it's all range of, it's very pretty. I, I love it. It's the kind of sci-fi that you don't get anymore. Like, the last time we got was Blade Runner 2049. And guess who directed that? The director of Dune. <laughs> so what you're saying is that you really like Denis Villeneuve. I, he is one of my favorite filmmakers. The only films of his I haven't seen, I think, are um, His Enemy and... Or maybe that's the only one I haven't I seen. I love Arrival. I think it's so, the only one I haven't seen. So, Josh, I apologize for the blasphemy, but I went into Dune knowing I don't connect to Denis Villeneuve's directing style. Nothing against him. Mm. I just don't connect to it. I was like, okay, just enjoy it for what it is. And oh, look, he was the perfect guy to direct this. Oh, yeah. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't connect with this directing style, but he was the right guy. Oh, my gosh. He nailed it. I think Florence Pugh is great and put her in more things. So, yay. I keep trying to get you to watch Little Women. Watch I've Little seen Women. the 90s one. I've seen it on stage. This is so good, though. I will watch it. I like Greta Gerwig. <sighs> yay. 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 <laughs> 
Moving on uh, to our last piece of news, and that is about a man who goes, hello there. Hello there. Hello there. General Kenobi. General Kenobi. Uh, the... Someone's revving their engine outside. So we got many pictures now of the Kenobi show, as well as the first trailer. Cool. I'm fine with this. More sand planet. The... Okay, I have two things to say. One, I'm tired of these sand planets in Star Wars. It can't be the only thing that Star Wars is associated with these days. Number two, I kind of want this to be a movie instead of a show. Because after Book of Boba Fett, and I've explained my feelings on the show on this podcast. My favorite thing. It's, I think that it's just, they're putting, giving these stories too much, if that makes sense. Like, it's I don't enough know if for this, a movie, not for a show. And obviously, I can't judge this yet because I the show hasn't come out yet. So it could be fine. And I'm hoping that it's fine. But like, why not a movie? Why not? He was the best part of the prequels. Oh, and some more of Ewan is great. Yes. He's got a beard. The best hard. part of the prequels was the memes. <laughs> yes. The, the trailer looks gorgeous. Like even the like everything from the sand planet to the cyberpunk dystopia looks gorgeous. Um also, I'm not much cool. of a Star Wars fan, but I'm happy for the Star Wars fans. <laughs> I'm also, glad for you guys. Please enjoy. He's wearing a last shirt right now. Um, so between uh, Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope is 20 years. Yes. But, yes. And he was like, let's say late 30s? In- Probably. Uh, and it's been, I think, about five or six years from Revenge of the Sith at this point in the show it takes place. Is that right? Anakin, not Anakin. Luke looks like he's about like maybe eight. Okay. So we did the math. And he right now, like um, your his actual age, is a, I think he's, he's 50. He's he's fifty and he's and Alec Guinness was fifty two when A New Hope happened. So timeline wise, he would have actually aged into Alec Guinness' look. So he, that lines up correctly when we're doing the when we're doing the show. I totally don't pull nice. a solo and explain how he gets old. He just ages like a normal human. Or also on a dirt desert planet, you're gonna age poorly. Yeah, I don't understand why people don't get that. Sorry, I'm from Arizona. I lived in tattooing for like nine years. It's a desert planet. You aged weird. It's a rough place. <laughs> it's rough and coarse, and it gets everywhere, and you're going to age poorly. Anyway, yay on this trailer if you've not seen it yet. If you were a fan of Star Wars, go check the trailer. And the pictures look great. He's got a cool beard. The hair looks nice. Cool robes. If there's anything you know, Star Wars can agree on is Ewan McGregor is fantastic as Obi-Wan. Indeed. Star Wars fans don't agree on much, but we all agree on that. And soon he'll become Ben Kenobi officially. Oh, yeah. People won't come. watching the show. It's not a great identity to hide behind if, if your last name is still the last name that your first identity had. And he wore the same outfit. Change your name from Sean to Sean? Right. Exactly. Also, his outfit didn't change. He wore the same outfit. Well, it's a desert. It makes sense to wear like long cloaks and stuff like that in the desert. Well, that does move us into our main topic, which is the Batman versus Dracula. So we just watched the movie from. 15, 16, 17, how many years ago now? 16 years ago? Early 2000s. 2005 is when it came out. Uh, it's been a minute. So spoilers will happen this because it's over 15 years old now. If you've not seen it, you can't have, you could, there is time to have watched it. <laughs> but you also don't have to watch the show The Batman to be able to watch another show. Correct. This. What it, it is a tie-in to the show The Batman. From also you the also do not need to watch the movie The Batman in order to understand The Batman I, versus I will say there is there's prime opportunity for Matt Reeves to make a Batman versus Dracula film and just fill it with Twilight memes the whole time. <laughs> it's there. It's so easy for him to do. Okay, there's a piece of news that I say yay to. <laughs> Why watch the movie is because our friend here, Bueller, 
just made a found footage film. You can talk about it now. Hi, friends. Um, so Bram Stoker wrote his original Dracula novel in a series of letters and journal entries and newspaper articles and invoices and suicide notes. Like, this thing really plays with the concept of those epistolary novels that you talked about back in high school. So we wanted, to, we wanted to make a movie that feels how it feels to read Bram Stoker's novel, which brings up two things. One, Bram Stoker's novel was literally just found footage in written form. So we made it a found footage movie, but we did the same kind of experimentation. It's not just like 90s camcorder stuff. It's TikToks and Snapchats and a door cam and a podcast. Oh, look, very relevant to this. <laughs> but two... A lot of Bram Stoker's novel is this like psychological horror mystery of this uncomfortable uncertainty of what is going on. And we wanted to lean into that by having a Dracula movie where Dracula doesn't get caught on film, where you never see or hear Dracula. Um, we will be releasing more information about where to find the film on, uh, on Wholesome Film Talk's TikTok which is literally just like that wholesome film talk. <laughs> um, and we will be releasing it through a pay what you want system so that if you don't have money, I'm broke too. I get it. You can still watch the movie. And if you do have money, you can support the artists and uh, the money will be going toward making the next movie and toward supporting each individual cast and crew member who worked on the film. Nice. Uh, and so to support, to promote his film here, we decided to watch Ace something that's also relevant to our geeky nerdy culture, and we just watched The Batman last week. So, mm -hmm. talk about The Batman versus Dracula. Not that The Batman, different The Batman. It ran and from. I really appreciate that you were willing to like tie that in. That, of course. That was very kind of you. Uh, it was a show ran from around 2002, I think, till 2005, around that time, 2006. And it's, I think, only four seasons. Uh, it's really cool. Great show. I showed Josh the first three after the bit. They do Bane really interestingly in that show. They do. Um, they, really cool characters. Like, the Joker has a very deep voice. It's Kevin Michael Richardson voicing the Joker in the show. I just hear Darth Laser, for, no, Dark Laser from the Fairly Odd Parents. <laughs> what about from Granny Falls? Oh, I had the one officer. <laughs> or the giant lion from Avatar. There's a, he's a great voice actor. Um, he's fantastic. But, so, to be, to be clear, uh, the show ran from 04 to 08. Oh, so, it ran okay. right during the peak of Nolan's career. Career nice. like that. I watched this sporadically on TV when I was on. As a kid, as well as I got, like, I went to Hollywood Video and Blockbuster, picked up DVD volumes of it, and watched the show that way. My only thing of this was watching this when it came on, like, around Halloween as a kid. Uh, when the blood bank scene happened, uh, and it started raining down blood, I was just like, and I'm having nightmares tonight. And I turned it off, and I was very scared. So let's talk about that. So this is a kid's film, technically speaking. It's very TVPG. It's TVPG. Um, it is for, designed for children because it was a tie-in to a kid's show. With the kids show is Youth 7, so this is a little bit higher than that. Just a wee bit. Uh, it prepared on DVD releases, uh, as it also kind of a tie-in with Batman Begins, because it came out the same, same year, as well as it premiered on Cartoon Network, where any kid could just watch. That's a scary movie for kids. Uh, I, will, I remember people were asking yesterday, yesterday, is this a kid's movie? <laughs> because, is it? Oh, think, okay. I, so, do you mind if I ramble about that for a minute? Go ahead. I do not assume that a movie is a kid's movie until proven otherwise. Like, like, I assume that a movie is not necessarily a kid's movie, but that a kid can watch it, mostly because of Pixar, because, like, everybody's like, oh, my gosh, this is a kid's movie. Why are they including it? And I'm like, 
who told you this was a kid's movie? <laughs> Pixar right. has been very clear from day one. Every single movie they've released, except for Luca, every single movie they've said, this is not a kid's movie. Right. They've said in interviews, this is not a kid's movie. This is a movie for adults that kids can enjoy. And they've said that for 25 years now. Right. And people are still like, this is a kid's movie. And I'm like, who gave you that idea? And so, I, and so I've stopped assuming that it's a kid's movie. I just assume it's a movie. And so I watch this movie and then Sean's like, this is a kid's movie. And I'm like, wait, what? This is? Mm-hmm. Um, but also, yeah, it's dark. It's creepy. It's got some genuine horror elements to it. And I'm glad it does because yeah. we sometimes underestimate the emotional capacity of children, especially the cinematic capacity of children. We assume that if a movie triggers any emotion that is not amusement, mirth, joy, happiness, any sort of positive emotion, that it must be not appropriate for children. But like children need to experience fear in safe situations so that they can practice the emotion of fear. And then when they get in an unsafe situation, they, their body knows how to regulate fear. That's a great point. Uh, Same with like sadness or anything else. That's why horror movies exist. The reason why we as a a species have been telling ghost stories around campfires since the dawn of fire is because we need to learn to regulate fear so we can have it for situations where we need it. And I'm really glad every time that a kid's movie comes out and, and there's a moment that makes kids say, this is what fear feels like. How do I deal with this? Because a movie has the ultimate safe word. You can you can just like emotionally unplug from the movie and be like, eh, I'm going to go do something. You, you can emotionally <laughs> unplug from the movie. You can go do something else. You can turn off the movie. You have complete control over how much fear you are willing to experience. And I'm so glad that kids movies give kids that sometimes i'm not saying traumatize kids i'm not <laughs> saying show kids all the film talk traumatize your kids fine i'm saying like give kids more credit right i think it's funny you mentioned that as well because like my favorite show all the time after the last airbender here um is a great example of a show that is kids can watch it i always said it's not a kid's show but it's a show that's just made for people and kids can watch it um, yeah like if it is a kid's show if it is a kid's show. It takes kids very seriously and like really, really gives kids the credits, the, the credit they're due that they can handle really morally nuanced and complex situations. There's my ramble. Um, Episode yeah, three has genocide in it. Like it's, it's intense. But yeah, this movie has like some full on horror moments and like gothic moments. And I'm so glad it does. Because, oh, look, we have Gotham and we have Dracula. <laughs> the gothic aesthetic supports both. So I first watched this, I think, six or seven years old. That's a little young. Um, not because I was watching the show The Batman. And I'm like, this is fun. And I went to Hollywood Video or Blockbuster or whatever. And like, or Movie Stop, because there's so many different movie stores that exist at the time. <laughs> I missed that, actually. Go up in a movie. I'm like, hey, Dad, let's watch this. Uh, I remember crying as a child like, i can't watch this I'm like I, and we, I then decided to try again the next day <laughs> i remember like i can handle it tomorrow when the sun is out because dracula can't get me the sun's out that's true but it is intense for kids to watch this movie uh and it's a good thing like you were saying before i want to mention that blood bank scene specifically mm-hmm. because it's horrific 
it's it's and they get away with it because if you pay attention to the color of the blood most of it is kind of too dark to be able to yeah. tell it is except for like small little moments it's like black and green because the lighting mm-hmm. like honestly blood. that moment doesn't even feel real yeah right. like there's just so much blood like gallons of blood dripping from the ceiling that i'm like is this even happening in universe? Is this just the way Joker interprets it? Um, and like also, vampire Joker is so frightening as a concept. Oh yes! <laughs> oh my gosh! Yes! If there's one thing I don't want Joker to become, it's a vampire, an unkillable creature. Yes. So with even more movie. bloodlust. Right. So everyone who's not seen the movie yet is on HBO Max. You can watch it there as well as the show, The Batman, which it ties into. But the plot of this movie is we have nothing would have gone wrong if one inmate in Arkham didn't tell Penguin about some treasure and, and Joker. Oh, this all happens because of Penguin. It were, it's Penguin and Joker together in Arkham making dumb mistakes. Well, Joker just breaks down. Joker just is causing chaos for the heck of it. And right. you just have Penguin's just like, I want some buried treasure. Wahahaha. And he goes to the wrong place in the cemetery. And then he just awakens Dracula and. He's lucky that he only became his minion. That could have gone a lot worse for him. Um, I love the fact that they treat Jack in this movie. Also, with the I need to seduce the woman kind of thing, like, like Mina Lucy uh, from also Dracula book. I was in Dracula play in high school, and it's like I, I knew the story oh, nice. of Dracula. So it's fun seeing tie-ins to Dracula's lore as a literature figure. Uh, and that's really cool. And you can touch more on that as well if you want to. But So on the topic of, like, I need to seduce the woman thing, I kind of love that they named Dracula's bride Carmilla. Why is that? Do, do you know who Carmilla is? No. Okay, so um, flashback with me to 1931, where we get the Bela Lugosi universal classic monster Dracula. The, the version where, like, every single bit of vampire lore you have ever heard in your life comes from this one movie. Except for the accent. It's so weird to like watch this movie and hear him not have a Transylvanian accent and never say, I want to suck your blood. And, Welcome. I've been expecting you. And like, I, I kept expecting the catchphrases, but like everything else about vampire lore you've ever heard in your life comes from this one movie. If you have ever seen anybody wear a Dracula costume at, for Halloween, it's this movie. Cool. The next year, Universal releases a sequel to it called Dracula's Daughter which was based on an, on a completely unrelated novel called Carmilla. It was the introduction of the concept of the lesbian vampire. That's really it's cool. An 18, it's an 1872 go- gothic novella. And I, I, I'm so glad that, that they like took the time to think who, what, or if we're going to do a Bride of Dracula, what should her name be? And went back through vampire lore and they were right. like, Maybe Lilith? No, Lilith is a demon. She's not a vampire. <laughs> Carmilla. Yes, she right. should be Carmilla. Honestly, I'm kind of considering making a sequel to Found Footage Dracula based on Carmilla. That's cool. Um, kind of considering. Also, odd that you use Vicky Bailo. I think his first appearance was in 1989's The Bat- uh, Batman movie with Tim Burton uh, as love interest, because I think that Tim Burton, her only mainstream appearance was in that movie. Which I'm like, oh, cool. That's a fun little tie into. Keaton's world. I mean, we also don't know how much their relationship was established before the movie. In the show? Yeah, in the show. Not much at all. Oh, okay. It's very little. Well, I mean... It I, works. It works. Yeah. So the plot. What happened in this movie? Penguin becomes a pirate. Um, Wait, hold on. <laughs> he becomes a pirate in the sense that he wants the money. He wants the booty of the money. Um, 
And that um, money is specifically in gold coins? Yes, right. it, is, it is pirate treasure. Um, and he gets a tip that's uh, a cemetery, so he and Joker breaks out. Joker just does Joker stuff and runs away. Um, Penguin thinks that he's found it, but it's actually the uh, tomb of Dracula that he has found. Um, slices his hand by accident, and just from one small drop of blood right onto Dracula's heart, he brings Dracula back to life and causes mayhem and destruction. Batman sees it, he's just like, well, that's not normal. Um, <laughs> Um, and it's and he's trying to figure even out even for who, Gotham that's weird. <laughs> he's trying to figure out who are these people sucking on next. Why is why is that happening? Um, and he figures out Alucard. That's Dracula right there. And so that just becomes his whole thing. And Joker becomes Dracula, and it's terrifying. And I love this movie. It's genuinely really fun the whole time. Like it's a good movie the whole time, and it's surprisingly holds it better than you think it would. Like the concept on paper of Batman versus Dracula in a movie sounds really kitschy and campy, and it's like it shouldn't work as well as it does. Well, they treat it with all the sincerity and seriousness that it deserves the whole oh, time. I hear, I hear Batman versus Dracula, and I'm like, this is going to be awesome. Oh, my gosh. Why have we never done this before? We have a man who turns into a bat. Why is he never <laughs> faced against a man who turns into a bat? Like, that just makes so much sense. And then, like, the entire movie is, like, exactly what you would expect Batman versus Dracula to be. Except, like Sean said, 100% dead serious about it and really caring about the material. Also, I loved, I always loved the show, The Batman. Tom Kenny, who was SpongeBob as the Penguin, he's so great. I love him in this too. He carries the film so well. And his, like, because if you've seen the, penguin, the first Penguin episode in the show, mm-hmm. how he's like, I will never serve anyone. And this one's like, I will serve you, master. I think my favorite part of the plot of this movie is I have the cap, the power of the sun in the palm of my hand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the sun machine. It's just like, oh. I wonder if that'll factor in later. Well, what's cool is in the universe, he's making it uh, a thing about Wayne Industries promoting clean energy. Mm-hmm. And that it works like for the actual stories, like a Bruce Wayne having a machine do this makes sense. It's very clever. That that use of it at the end, just like all just gone. Just like that's kind of terrifying. Oh, yeah. Uh, you're Bruce Wayne? No, I'm Batman. So cool. Also, the excuse is killing because of the vampire because in the film, they make a point of saying he's not human, he's a monster. They outright say about him, uh, he's not human, he's a monster. I'm like, okay, so you're going to kill him. You just see Bath like uh, swoop in, takes over. <laughs> in Avatar State style, like, yep. I'm going to control you now. Yep. You, you mentioned like Tom Kenny and the other voice actors in this movie. I did not realize that's Tara Strong voicing Vicky Vale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's great. Uh, wow, I think she has a great career. She's really also, girl, she, she also is Harley Quinn in the show, I think, as well. Um, oh, she is basically everyone. Oh, yeah, no, but like in this, in this specific show, they have, they later in the show bring in like Barbara Gordon and Dick Grayson and Superman and Green Lantern and Flatley. The last okay. two seasons are building up Batman to Justice League. The first season is like Batman, it's, it's his third anniversary of being Batman, the episode one. And so it's him slowly gaining a thicker chin, not a joke in the animation, that make him more of the typical masculine Batman in the show, they, they change his hair, his bone structure, so are you, slowly. Are you saying that uh, Robert Pattinson's jaw is about to get a lot more square when Absolutely. More <laughs> Absolutely. I would they have no problem with this. The show <laughs> is uh, showing the growth of the character over the years, and it's really fun to see. And this takes place, like, midway through the show. Um, okay. So he's um, not quite thick yet. <laughs> you, you mentioned uh, Vicky Vale's publication history, and I just, like, had to look it up. So it turns out Vicky Vale first appeared in Batman number 49 in okay. 1948. Oh, okay. That's early. 
yeah she she's occasionally appeared in comics every once in a while right it's not often. Uh, through like she appears in like year one and she appears in um crisis on Im- does she appear in crisis i think so okay she disappeared after crisis on infinite earth but she is in batman year one and then she shows up in tim burton's the batman yes it was 1999 batman right. not tim burton's the batman i'm sorry right. i just missed it his film popularized the character a lot more going forward. Because that was because that was um Kim something. No, Kim Basinger. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. what it was. And then uh Nicole Kidman was in as Chase Dr. Chase Murray and and yeah, my dad always thought that they were the same character. I was just like, no, they're not the same character, they're very different. <laughs> he had never seen Burton's film or uh Schumacher's films. Don't worry, I it's been a very long time. I never seen I've only seen Batman 89 one time. I never finished Batman Returns. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And it's been a very long time since I've seen the Schumacher ones. I'm actually really looking forward to the Schumacher ones because oh, I awesome. love Lego Batman. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, look, we get Lego Batman, but we take it dead serious this time. That sounds fun. Batman Forever is a joy. 
Jim Carrey is the best thing in that movie. He's and fantastic. Tommy Lee Jones as well is a delight. Kilmer's not bad in it. No. And then people focus on the nipples in the suit. Stop focusing on the nipples. It doesn't matter. <laughs> and people focus on uh, the 27-year-old, 15-year-old Chris O'Donnell's Robin. That is a bit it weird. is weird. He's, he's just like, I'll see you in trouble calling social services. And I'm like, well, you're, you're an adult. <laughs> it doesn't matter. He has the earring to make him look younger. Oh, uh, yes. The earring is what does it. <laughs> He does kung fu knit, uh, laundry too. Remember that? Yes, I do. Weird scene. <laughs> it's not a joke. It sounds like such a fun movie. It's very fun. It's very fun. Batman and Robin. Also I, fun. It's, I can't remember the last time I watched it. It's been very It never fun. bored me. No. Anyway, so Batman vs. Dracula. <laughs> Back on topic. Uh, I know the plot sounds messy. There's garlic involved. There's all these fun tropes. I think my favorite part of the whole movie is honestly that Batman's they keep him being smart, they keep being all about saving people, even the Joker. He make they make him actually sad when the Joker dies because it's when he, when he thinks the Joker dies. Because I will say that was very random for the movie to do that the death of the Joker thing, yeah. Because it but because it, it's never really a major plot point. Um, it teases something from comics that heavily believe the Joker's immortal. Oh, okay, that makes uh, more sense. I thought it was just that they just like wanted to say the Joker's out of the way for the rest of the movie. We're not doing Joker. This is a Dracula movie. And then all of a sudden, Joker's back, and he's better than ever. Oh my <laughs> gosh, this is one of the best Jokers I've ever seen. He's Specifically great. the vampire Joker. When he's va- okay, him in the prison cell, horrifying um, later on. But I'm talking about the scene where Batman's smart because he figures out Dr. Alicard. He goes along with the idea, you know, vampires might be real really fast. Well, Yes. And it's like, you know what? I've seen weirder stuff. This might be true. I fought okay. A, I fought a clay man. This he, is not weird to me. That's true. He does fight clay papers in the show. The Alucard part. He's like, Dr. Alucard. And he's like, I'm going to stare at that girl's neck. That's a nice necklace you got there. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, Dracula isn't very subtle in this. He's like, ah, I hate garlic shrimp. <laughs> I must back away. Has Dracula ever been subtle? <laughs> ever? No, but I mean, like, it's, it's always been to the detriment of of himself by the end of the movie most of the time. That's true. Actually, actually, there is one version where Dracula is very subtle. Bram Stoker's novel. That's true. That footage. He's yeah. not, not really there. Like, in the first four chapters of Bram Stoker's novel, it's just Jonathan hanging out at Castle Dracula and writing in his journal about how he feels like Dracula is manipulating him. But the thing is, the way Jonathan writes in his journal, it's like, no, Jonathan, you're not being manipulated. You're just a wuss. You can leave anytime you want. Just walk out the door. And then you find out, no, like, dude straight up almost killed him. Oh, I should have believed you. But, like, Dracula really is very subtle in the first, in Bram Stoker's novel. Not in movies. But also... Well, in, in Coppola's film, which is the most, like, accurate to the book that has been done on film, like, when he's not at Castle Dracula and he's, like, in England trying to uh, seduce um, his seduces, uh, fiance, yeah. Like, he's very subtle there. But then Castle Dracula, he's just, like, it's not really that subtle what he's doing. <laughs> at least from what I remember. It's I, I haven't seen the movie in a bit. Where did the play, who was kind of subtle, but not, like, super... It was... Like I said, when he was with Mina, it's like, uh, I'm going to be all smooth. When I'm with Jonathan, I'm like, I will harass you. You are mine. I will take you. So, so I, I think part of the reason is because in Bram Stoker's novel, he was completely rewriting vampire. Most of vampire lore that we think of came directly from his novel. Actually, more specifically, it came from, it came from the 1931 film, which is not actually, which is 
it has some changes. Anyway, like Bram Stoker basically invented Dracula lore. So he could kind of let Dracula be subtle. But like as soon as the 1922 version came out, everyone's like, we know it's Dracula. We don't have to be subtle about this. We can let him be big and over the top and campy and fun and gothic and creepy and just let him be weird. I didn't really full of Dracula when I saw was Nosferatu. Because that actually is a adaptation of the book Dracula, but they couldn't use the, the rights of the name and such. So they just made up a new character and did the same story. Man, back in the time when Dracula was not uh, public domain. So fun fact about that. So you mentioned they just made up a new story. No, they didn't. <laughs> um, they, they put new names to the characters. Right, that's what I mean, they yeah. they did not change the story no, Right, I meant all. to say that just, they just named the characters slightly different. Yes. Oh, the, the reason why I bring that up is because Bram Stoker's estate sued the filmmakers of Nosferatu for copyright infringement so hard that a judge ordered every copy of the film to be destroyed. Jeez. Well, for I copyright see. infringement. I now, win. I've seen it. One person, like, held on to his personal copy of the film reel, and that's how we still have Nosferatu, and it is believed today to be one of the greatest movies ever made, and I'm like, that is what we mean by great artist steal. (laughs) It's so funny thinking of that, because if we didn't have that, then we wouldn't have had Nosferatu appear in that one spot on episode. (laughs) So the, the really fun part about this, though, is that after the lawsuit, they said, well, why are we being coy about it then? Nosferatu is a silent film. If you just change the title cards, you can change the entire plot. So instead of changing the dialogue cards in between the film to change the plot, they change the dialogue cards to just put the names, the characters back to Bram Stoker's names. <laughs> They're like, look, you already sued us so hard that we had to burn every copy of the film let's stop being coy about this. He is named Dracula now, and he is Love named it. Jonathan Harker. So, what do you guys think is the best part of the film, The Batman vs. Dracula? Or your favorite thing that you happened in the movie? That's a great question. How did the cure get made? Did he ma- What happened there? I think I missed something. He was, um, he put together that, like, um, I know he's his own blood. He uses his own blood, but that it's transferred kind of like a disease um, right. that's done through blood. And, like, most diseases like that, you can find a cure in some way. So it's just a matter of him figuring out the right chemical formula to he's combine smart. everything. Yes, he is smart. And Which so I want to point out, out is another reference to the novel. Really? Van Helsing's main response, main cure, is to give Lucy a blood transfusion all the time. And then that eventually stops working. But still! That's Coppola, cool. I think Coppola did that. I don't remember. Dracula uh, bites a lot of people. The vampires bite a lot of people in this movie. There's a lot of vampires out and about now in Gotham City. And everyone blames Batman because we're saying a bat's doing this. Like, well, it's just like, well, it's got, it's got to be Batman then. He's never been next before. He just decided to start biting next now. <laughs> it's the only natural progression of things. Um, and I, I thought it was really well done how they handled the end. They all just blame Penguin at the very end. <laughs> it, was hip- it was hypnosis to find his pirate treasure. <laughs> Which, like, that, considering the, the world of Gotham City, that tracks for some reason. I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it, too. <laughs> like, yep, fine. that checks out. Uh, I um, love, so favorite part of the movie, you think, guys? Anyone have an idea? The blood I, I got a favorite part. is really good, but for a couple different reasons. What are you going to say? Oh, Josh, you were saying? Oh, I was just saying, uh, the blood bank scene, uh, just the horror of it all, and seeing Joker just, like, be a vampire. And the, the most blood rained down on him. 
that him crawling around the, on the wall is like doing his evil laugh and stuff. It's terrifying, but I love it. <laughs> um, one thing that I kind of love about this movie, and I've, I've kind of ranted before about like superhero movies, sometimes don't let their heroes be heroes. They right. let them be villain fighters. Um, they're not like trying to do good. They're trying to stop evil. I kind of love that in this movie, Batman is not a vampire hunter. He is a vampire healer. Right. He does not see the vampires as enemies. He sees the vampires as innocent victims who need to be healed and cured. And I kind of love that. It's beautiful. Um, It's, look, let's assume this is a kid's movie. There's good reason to assume this is a kid's movie. It's a spinoff of a show that says TV7. On CW4 Kids. Like, that's what I want kids to be looking up to. Right. Is somebody who doesn't just like punch his way out of the situation and doesn't just like fight evil, but somebody who tries to find a way to make the world better and to do good and to heal. I like that Batman. I also love that in this movie, Batman knows he can't outfight Dracula. Like he goes into this, not trying to put up a, a punch fight. He's mostly running and dodging. And trying to lead him somewhere else in the end. Mm-hmm. And it was really cool. And getting letting himself get hurt because he knows he has to. And that was a good idea. I also love the idea that in this movie, Alfred helps Batman out in the fight at the end. That was cool. Alfred's always a great. I love Alfred Pennyworth. Mm. Great character. There has never been a bad Alfred. Exactly. True. Every version has been great. I'm glad this actually feels like a movie and not just like a few episodes they like stitch together. Right. It is a, a full arc of a film. Mm-hmm. And that's great. Um, I think my favorite scene is also involving the vampire Joker, but not Blood Bank. It's in the prison where Joker is just begging for blood. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. It's creepy, but you can see like he's like a, just a, a feral animal. He does not want to do this. And even like, to make Joker... The, the, the evil of all evil look like a wounded animal is a bold move to try to do it in a kid's movie, but it worked. And you like, you want him to be healed and then put away to get help again, not actually to be hurt, not to be killed. Like, you want him to be treated. And the whole movie is about treatment. And I love that. When, when Joker is in the prison cell, that entire scene is a reference to Renfield. Okay. Uh, so, so first off, Renfield is the crazy vampire. That's kind of his job in every version of Dracula, including the book. But also in the book, there's a very specific, uh, uh, Renfield's caretaker very specifically references on multiple occasions that, that Renfield grabs a bug off the floor and eats it whole so that he can get any amount of blood. And he is starving oh. and he's begging for blood and he's a, and he's described as a feral animal and she's in a prison cell, like, the entire scene, I'm just like, that's Renfield. That, like, every version of Dracula should watch that movie and be like, that's Renfield. Yeah, now, that's cool. Animal might not be the exact words, but, like, yeah, this scene, this is the best adaptation of Renfield I've ever seen. And it's the Joker? <laughs> and it's the Joker. That's really cool. They include other Batman villains as Dracula's army, like, like Penguin, like Joker, and it's really creative way to do it. Like, making the servant of Dracula be Penguin, it just works so well. Mm. He's so great. 
I will say there is a part of me that kind of wishes that they got more villains to become vampires. Like imagine if like they got all Bane of Arkham. Be, yeah, like what like Bane had become a vampire, just like you know, or Clayface, or just like all these other like really weird ones that like if they're vampires, it makes it even worse for Batman. True. I think part so, of it is so like, you want this movie to be DC's response to Marvel zombies. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying I want it, but that's a, it's a fun idea to think about. I gotta say, I kind of love the character designs in this movie, and I'm saying that as a guy who has not watched the 2004-2008 Batman TV show. You yeah. you guys have seen the show. You know how great the character designs are. I kind of love the character. Like, uh, okay, I've, I've occasionally seen people make fun of the Rastafarian Joker look, but, like, it looks creepy. It looks scary. It looks insane. Like, they captured the Joker and just, like, the look without making it, by not making it look like the Joker. The Penguin looks perfect oh my gosh that's a perfect penguin i'm gonna show you their riddler in the show this i'm gonna pull it up his design and everything is a great way to differentiate it from mark hamill's which was the last version that came out before this one mark hamill voiced the riddler no for his joker oh yeah i mean he could voice riddler too we don't know I don't know. I met him. I met the Batman animated series Riddler in person. Ah, so it wasn't Mark Hamill. No, that was John Glover. Okay, yeah, I'm seeing the Riddler. Gosh, that's a dark Riddler. Yeah, the whole show really leads into the, like, it feels like it's, what I'm looking at, what's this? It's like gothic gothic style of movies, like like Metropolis. Like, the whole aesthetic of this show, every character design is very angular very hard edges it's very slender it's like they take these very old creepy imagery and apply it to batman and it works very well um i mostly just love that like their penguin actually is like three and a half feet tall and has a three and a half foot tall hat yes like that is so penguin and has like a two and a half foot nose like that is so penguin to me yes three fingers on each hand that's it like flippers like danny Vito's penguin yeah um it's like it's very they fun. just captured look of penguin to be so well. it's just overall good like it's a fun time this movie's a yay mm-hmm. yay yeah yay um th- there's a thing that i went into this movie wondering like y'all know this movie way better than i do y'all know this show but way better than i do. he's only seen three episodes okay that that's that's three more than me <laughs> so i was like okay batman versus dracula it's warner it's animated oh this is a scooby-doo movie <laughs> like i fully expected scooby-doo meets batman or scooby-doo meets dracula and then i got into it and i was like oh this is scooby-doo on zombie island actually before you say that because the scene where he uh where batman is in dracula's like tomb cave my first thought was this is zombie island it is the same thing and i loved that I do always find it weird when there are just so many vampires that it basically becomes zombies. Yeah. They're like, faster, though. That's true. They are fast zombies. Simon Pegg would hate that idea. Simon <laughs> yeah. Pegg hates fast zombies, wrote that whole essay, The Quick and the Dead, about it. Um, the, I, the vampires in me, this oh, remind me oh, of, the, of the monsters in I Am Legend. They're like half zombie, half vampire. Mm-hmm. It's the same weaknesses, same kind of skill set. They just a feel the same way and i like that like like to me a lot of what makes a vampire as opposed to a zombie and this is just me i have no credentials in vampire stuff sure i'm making a vampire movie okay everyone's got to make a vampire movie at some point in their life 
<laughs> to me, what makes them a vampire as opposed to a zombie is the very personal nature of it. There is one vampire and he has a lot of quirks. He has like 10 different weaknesses and like 10 different strengths. And he's really powerful, but also very personal. He's very charismatic. You've got a lot of personality to the vampire. If you just have lots of vampires and you make a horde of them, I'm like, what? But 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 they can't be they they miss so much of what makes them vampires. They miss they miss the seduction, they miss the charisma, they miss the aesthetic, they miss the they miss the over-the-top, they miss the gothic, and, and they tried to get a lot of that, but it did basically just become goth zombies who don't like garlic. I will say on that note, they kept the personal relation and all those features still with Dracula the whole time. Yeah, and it was still him versus Batman the whole time. Other people were kind of just obstacles to heal and not hurt in the way. Yes, absolutely. Yay! <laughs> uh, any last minute thoughts on the movie before I move on? It's good. Good movie. Can Can I just bring up Dracula's plan? And this is exactly the same plot as the Mummy. Yeah. Yes. That tracks. And this and the Mummy came out before this. <laughs> Which I also want to bring up. The Mummy is a universal classic monster. It was released the year after Dracula. Huh. So the question is... And like, okay, okay, so so the universal classic monsters had like five Mummy movies and they all have exactly the same plot. Actually, no, they they kind of switch back and forth between two plots. One is um, uh, Artis Bay wants to use the Mummy to resurrect Aung San Amun by kidnapping a living girl. Literally the same plot as like the Brendan Fraser version. And also that one miraculous lady ep- ladybug episode about the Pharaoh. It's literally the same plot. But yeah. The other is a standard slasher movie. Anyway, yeah, this movie, Dracula's plan is the same plan as the mummy. I'm going to take a living woman and uh, pull her soul out of her through a mystical rite in order to resurrect my long dead bride. See, it's funny, Mr. X. I pictured X and Apocalypse and the scene where Apocalypse is like, I will take Charles's body, insert mine into that with the powers of the mind. It, I thought it was a little bit of an odd ritual thing. It wasn't really established much, but it, it works. Also, they explain why his body is in Gotham. Like, it's very brief, but they explain it. I was actually shocked that they explained that because what I thought was going to happen is that they were going to canonically establish that <laughs> Gotham was built on the ruins of Transylvania. That Gotham literally is Transylvania. I would have loved that, actually. That'd be really, really funny. Like, that just checks out so hard to me. I'm surprised they didn't do that. Gotham City, New Jersey is Transylvania. I, I think my favorite thing of that is that the Transylvanians are just like, you're dead, but like, we'll, we're just going to be extra precautious. Send it to America. And like, that's kind of how vampire lore started, is you're dead, but we're going to be extra precautious. We're going to drive a stake through the heart of the person. And I'm like, yes, that would kill anybody, not just a vampire. Um, we're going to leave garlic cloves because of their because of their healing properties. We're going to um, use silver because of their purification properties. We're, like basically every piece of pre-Bram Stoker Dracula lore came because some guy died and the family was like, no, you are staying dead. <laughs> And on that note, that concludes our Batman versus Dracula discussion. <laughs> I'm going to make Big EA. Uh, I think it's great. I think you all should watch it if you are above the age of like 10. Well, I mean, if you're if you're a tough kid. If you're a tough kid, you can watch it. It's on HBO Max. The, I think the scariest movie I watched as a kid was Coraline. That was, that was an interesting watch. <laughs> so, 
Uh, we have Trish on this podcast talking about super weird stories. And this one involves a show you both have seen called Hawkeye. Oh, yeah. I have seen that. You've seen Hawkeye, right? This is the, like, 1984 Smash spinoff, right? Absolutely. Not at all Disney Plus, Disney Plus show. Very okay, just wondering. <laughs> I, I don't know. I made something up. <laughs> but you've seen Hawkeye, right? I have. Yes. So I want to talk about a character named Jacques Duquesne, who in the yes! show is a very silly man. Oh, the sword guy? The swordsman. Yeah. Jacques Duquesne is, looks very silly. That is a, yep. That looks very silly to you? Yep. I'm going to send a picture to Bueller uh, here as well. This is what swordsman looks like in comic books. He wears a purple outfit like Hawkeye. Um, he I has, love it! He has a sword and sheath, the cross belt. He has, oh, two swords, sorry. One on his belt on his hip, one on his back or on his sheath. He has like a bluish purple outfit with bright magenta purple accents because he has to because he's a superhero. So, and also he's got like these, these like shoulder wings. Yes. But he doesn't actually have shoulders. Like they don't go all the way down his shoulder. Nope. And like it, it is just so Silver Age superhero aesthetic and I love it. So his history, Jacques Duquesne was a performer at various circuses and carnivals. His act demonstrated that his mastery of knives, swords, and other bladed weapons. At one carnival, he met a young Clint Barton. Seeing great potential in him, swordsman and trickshot trained the boy in blades and archery, respectively, with Clint often being a secondary performer in the swordsman's act. This is just Nightmare Alley? With superheroes, Josh. <laughs> what do you I mean? want to point out this? I want to point out this is Dick Grayson's origin story. Yes. So, but with swords. like Hawkeye is just Hawkeye is a Robin. Hawkeye is a Robin who doesn't do flips. <laughs> he's not ready to the falling part. No, he's too cool to do flips, and he doesn't care yeah. enough to do flips. He's just like I'm going to sit here and shoot arrows. Flips is too much energy. So the reason that uh, Swordsman became more villain to people is gambling happened. Gambling ruins us all. <laughs> so he got in massive debt from gambling. Uh, and one day, uh, a carnival paymaster was robbed, much like what happened with Dick Grayson. Um, and Barden later found Swordsman with the money. Barden ran from him and climbed to the high wire. Swordsman cut it with, with his, by hurling his sword in the air. And Barden fell to the ground. And the Swordsman left thinking he was dead. Barton survived and grew up to become Hawkeye. It is presumed that he and Barton reconciled years later. Wait, it's presumed that he and Barton reconciled years later. We don't know. It's just off camera. It's off in her panel. It's just one of those things. There's just been so many decades of writing. They're just like, I don't feel like reading through all this. Let's say they're friends now. And so the swordsman committed various crimes around the world, causing him to be barred from several nations. I've never heard that before. Nation. A comic book villain. That's really funny. I really want to see the swordsman interact with Batrock the Leaper. <laughs> yes, I agree. And Patrick also had two appearances in uh, the MCU so far with the Winter Soldier and the Winter Soldier. Also, um, Moon Knight's uh, Moon Knight's sidekick is a helicopter pilot named Frenchie. I thought you were about to just say a helicopter. <laughs> Yes, Moon Knight has a sentient helicopter. Honestly, that kind of tracks. But no, Thanos copter. He's a he's a helicopter pilot named Frenchie, who is just like the most French person you can possibly imagine. And I'm like, when are we gonna get the Frenchers? 
So Jacques Duquesne is also French, naturally. And he, after being barred from celebrations for his crimes, he sought out the Avengers. He sought out the Avengers, thinking that the posing as a hero would lead to much bigger crimes. <laughs> he wanted to commit the biggest of crimes. Naturally. And being with the Avengers, we will be able to get to other countries now and commit mass crimes. So his offer of service was refused. <laughs> naturally. Really? I wonder why. <laughs> Is it the crimes or is it the bar from countries because of said crimes? Probably a mix of both. <laughs> Angrily, he attacked Captain America, but was soon surrounded. Uh, I'm, I miss the 60s and 70s of when they would try that kind of stuff and not knowing what would happen. So, in comes the Mandarin. Naturally. Next step of this. <laughs> so, the Mandarin teleported the swordsman to his location thinking he would make it for a useful double agent against Iron Man. Do these bad guys ever do background checks beforehand? Nope. I'm anyway. sorry, double agent implies trust. Exactly. <laughs> and he was Iron Man has was... no relationship with this man and no desire to trust him. Correct. This will go well. So he outfitted the swords and sword with several embedded devices through the Mukluan technology, which are like the magical rings the Mandarin has. Uh, he also faked a message from Iron Man asking the Avengers to follow the swordsman to join them. So without Iron Man's consent, Mandarin faked a message from Iron Man to the Avengers saying, hey guys, swordsman's cool, let him be with you. Although they suspected a trap, they allowed him to become a member. And surprisingly, swordsman fit in very well with them. And he even developed a crush on the Scarlet Witch, Wanda Maximoff. Again, I have no idea but, where stuff like this goes. It's fascinating. But to be fair, who among us hasn't? <laughs> She's very beautiful. So, ordered by Mandarin to lure the Avengers to a bomb, he feared she would be injured and tried to dismantle it. When the So, bad guy turns good guy slightly for one girl. Yay! When the Avengers arrived, it looked like he had been caught setting the bomb instead. <laughs> Swordsman fled, and although he had regrets, he soon fell back into a pattern of crime. I, re I regret my crimes. Anyway, I'm going to go do some crime. <laughs> no, no, he didn't regret his crime. He regretted joining the Avengers and making it look like he set off the bomb. Or set the bomb. He served alongside a brainwashed Black Widow and Power Man, a.k.a. Cage, on many occasions. Wait, were they brainwashed on many occasions he fought with them? Probably. He still longed to be a part it of the Avengers. comics. Yes. He still longed to be a part of the Avengers and even joined them in Asgard to fight Ares and Enchantress. Ares, the god of war, and they're sending the swordsmen to yeah. go fight him. <laughs> yes, the man who has no powers. But uh, he now has magic swords from the, the Mandarin. So the Mandarin just never took him back. No. Okay. Why not? His heart was no longer in crime, and he began to drink heavily while serving... <laughs> Wait, what? He started serving uh, Monster Cruel, who's a different uh, bad person in Marvel. But doing this, I don't know why they added the drinking into this, but now he drinks heavily. Well, he needs to gamble. He needs to drink. We need to give him some different vices every once in a while. He can't just Where? be gambling all the time. Where was all of this in the Hawkeye show? Every single aspect of this. Honestly, I kind of love the Hawkeye show. It's just like, He's a himbo who likes swords and rich people, and that's it. That's that, all. That was, like, that was one of my favorite things. The whole time they make you think that he's the villain, and then once it's finally revealed, it's just like, oh yeah, he really just is an idiot. He the does whole time. give creepy vibes though. 
Creepy vibes, but he doesn't know he's giving off creepy vibes. No, no, he's not giving creepy vibes. He's giving French vibes. <laughs> and the camera is the camera angle is just creepy. That's it's just the camera angle and the soundtrack. Like when he offers the butterscotch, the only thing that makes that creepy is the camera angle and the score. To to anyone from France listening in, is this how we should be filming French people, or are we doing it very wrong? Please let us know. We did, us three did not do it, so don't blame us. I don't know French people, so the French is out there. Please tell us. I, I am the person. I am the person who said uh, that he's just giving French vibes. I apologize, French people. We do have some French listeners, genuinely, which is very fascinating to me. Okay, so it was soon revealed that Mantis was the. Hold on, make up. What? So the beautiful Mantis was also working with Gruel as a barmaid, the person that he's that Swords is now serving. So she convinced him he could be a hero again. He, she convinced uh, Swordsman that he, you, can be, you can do it. You can be a hero. He was so reluctant because he's bad at being a hero. Uh, until becoming injured on one of Cruel's assignments, Mantis helped him recover, and the two of them left the United States okay. together. Revitalized, the Swordsman was asked to rejoin the Avengers, and his sincerity won them over. Was it the Avengers just having a slow week? and just like, eh, let's, who's, who's the D-list that we can grab? All right, let's bring in the Swordsman. It's a great plan. Swordsman was a valuable me- member, although he still doubted himself. He fell in love with Mantis now, but his feelings were not reciprocated by her. <laughs> An angry cruel uh, captured uh, Duquesne and tortured him on one occasion. Why is that sentence there? Not sure. <laughs> For only one occasion. That's all that matters. What, like, like, everything here is just the absolute goofiest thing you can do, and then torture, <laughs> kidnapping! <laughs> and so it was soon revealed that Mantis was the celestial Madonna. In the comics, Mantis is a freaking god. That's right. I have the movies nerfed her so well, hard. I knew that part. I forgot about the d- yes. So going if past- I remember correctly, I I have not read any comic with Mantis in it. Going past that now, Kang the Conqueror now shows up in this story. Oh my God, uh, and began a mad quest to make her his bride. He was why is the swordsman involved with this? Because he loves her. Okay. So he was, uh, uh, Kang was stopped by the Avengers and another version of himself, Rama Tut. Um, and then Kang decided that he, if he could not have, have Mantis, no one would. And he aimed a ray gun at her. Swordsman instinctively jumped in front of his love while uh, Rama Tut, Kang version, was able to grab the gun and alter his aim. The blast traveled up Swordsman's sword, fatally wounding him. I thought it was going to be, he's so bad being a hero that he just, that he jumps too early before he blasts and Mantis dies. <laughs> Mantis realized that she really loved Duquesne as he died. <laughs> this guy's just not having any good luck. So uh, how does he come back from the dead? So, we're getting to it. Everyone comes back. I love the- how that's not even a question of does he, just how. I'm, I'm double checking. Swordsman body, Swordsman body, Swordsman's body was buried in a garden maintained by the priests of Pama near where Mantis had grown up. That's sweet. Uh, this garden would contain sentient plants known as the Katati, and it was the, actually the eldest tree that was destined to mate with Mantis. Okay. This. Okay. So. Why is half this article not about swordsmen? Give me a second. The tree uh, inhabited the swordsman's body. Oh, no. And approached Mantis, explaining itself to her. So it's not even swordsman anymore. It is another being in the body of swordsman trying this to make... This having no luck. So this he is reverse is... Groot. What? This is reverse Groot. 
And so Immortus, uh, who is also a Kang variant, married the two together. Uh, so Swordsman did get to have a happy ending with marrying, but not Swordsman, just his body. Is this just upgrade? Sure. Or Venom, if Eddie couldn't have consciousness. Then they seemingly transform. Uh, I think that's weakened at Bernie's. <laughs> so then, after they get married, the two of them transformed into this pure energy and left the Earth. Uh, <laughs> it was later revealed that the spirits of Mantis and the Prime Katati had actually left their human forms behind when their spirits left Earth to procreate, and that the priests of Pama had buried had reburied the swordsman's corpse in his original grave and had buried the body of Mantis. Uh, now in state of suspended animation, beside him. So, is that how it ends? The celestial messiah was later born after all of this because the, the the love child of the two of them. So, swordsman created Jesus or space Jesus in the Marvel universe. So, the, hold on. There's swordsman body has more stuff to do. Hold on. My God, <laughs> what? Swordsman body, his body is not done. Years later, Mantis approached the west coast of Avengers. Well, she is energy. She's pure. Yeah, okay, whatever. I'm going to skip past that part now. And seeking their help because she had no memory of what had happened to her since she first left Earth. Okay. That sucks for her. So the search for answers soon led them to a temple of the priest of Pama, where a swordsman body was burst up out of his grave, once again inhabited by the spirit of the Prime Katati. After a fierce battle, the reanimated swordsman killed Mantis. And the shock of this death caused her consciousness to transfer from the from the plant uh, body it had unknowingly been inhabiting and back into her original human body that was buried nearby. With the consciousness returned to her true form and her memories restored, Mantis dug her way out of the grave and revealed what had happened to her since she had left Earth. Having restored her, his former wife, the Prime Katati vacated his, for, his host form, a.k.a. the Swordsman, and without its alien life force to hold it together, the swordsman's corpse disintegrated. <laughs> what? So, ne- okay, now you asked when he comes back to life. Here's where it comes back to life. How? His body's gone! The swordsman was resurrected by the Chaos King, and, and he, fought from the, he fought the Grim Reaper alongside other dead Avengers, but he perished again in the end of the Chaos War. <laughs> that is... This is the weirdest and longest story of karma that you can possibly do for someone. <laughs> so he's had Every a sentence life. of this is just a wild ride from beginning to end. People wonder why the movies and stuff are more accurate. This is why. So Jacques Duquesne, that is his birth to death to birth to death to birth to death story. Yeah, yeah. People are like, yeah, the MCU is getting so much lore and they're going to have to reboot at some point. And I'm like, when they have that much lore, they can reboot. Until then, you can just say, eh, I'm not interested in that movie. I'll pass. Or I just want to watch the Spider-Man movies. That's all I want to see here. So, thoughts on Jacques Duquesne's life and unlife? That was, that went so many different places. Why? Are you you sure this guy, like, uh, I'm sorry. You create a D-list character named the Swordsman who's just like this French stereotype. You trained Hawkeye. Yeah, and like I thing. fully expected that he was just going to be like this street level swordsman who just occasionally <laughs> showed up once a decade. And no, he's like fighting gods and having cosmic and and having a cosmically powered wife and being taken over by a plant. And what is this character? <laughs> why him though? That's what's so funny that, about it. That why him? It's a lot for this character to go through. 
and his dead body. Now I'm just waiting to see if the MCU will do anything close to that. It's not going to, but it'd be fascinating. They have Ben Benders now and Fun Love Wanna Maximoff. Oh boy. Sorry getting complicated there with that. So I, I still want the French Avengers. So that's French our podcast for today. So Bueller, where can people find you online? Uh thank you so much for asking. Uh my main my main social media platform right now is TikTok, which is at wholesome film talk. Where now it's T-A-L-K, not T-O-K, because it's changed from the last time. That is correct. That is correct. Um, I did that to like make sure that that all of the platforms had the same uh, had the same name. But like, I'm on Twitch. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Discord. Um, ha- uh, pretty soon, March 26th, we're going to be releasing Found Footage Dracula. It just feels weird to have a release date, and I keep saying pretty soon, and I'm like, wait, no, I have a day. March 26th, we're releasing Found Footage Dracula. We are trying to set up a BuellerStudios.com to do that. We're still working on that. So I will play a clip of that right here. I, 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 I couldn't mail it because the count would notice. He has too much power over me already, man. I, I, I can't afford to make him angry, of course, right? But I have good news. You see those bats? Look at those bats flying in See how they're they're kind of in the shape of a guy? See how they're flying into the house? Right? I, I, see, I, I told you, I'm not crazy. You can see it right there. Cool. That was great. Um, I liked it a lot. Josh, you like it? It was a fun time. I loved um, Renfield so much. And he told me off camera uh, uh, that it was actually an improv scene for Renfield. I got the, I got the vibes of that. It works. Yeah. I am so glad we got RJ Hall to play Red. He, he's a professional scare actor at Haunted Houses. Like, that's his main that. source of income. But Jonathan was great in this. I loved hearing our, our other guest, Nikhil Clayton, was in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so this is really fun. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. Thank you so much. Josh, where can we find you online? Uh, where can you find me indeed? Um, TikTok at Rudy underscore the film nerd. Um, Instagram, January Square Rudy 16. Uh, Twitter at January Square Rudy 28. And Letterboxd at Nerd for Film 28. I am on Twitter. Can you at- please get some brand consistency here? That's what I've been saying. <laughs> Never. I am pretty consistent on TikTok. I'm that nerd in theater. On Instagram, I'm that nerd in theater. Twitter, I'm the theater nerd. And I don't, I don't know what I am on Letterboxd. I'm something on there. You can probably find me if I'm searching Sean Williams. Also, I have two films, three films coming out, releasing publicly in May. And Josh will have two. Congratulations! Oh, yeah, I will. You're shooting a film in two days, Josh. Oh, yeah, I am. That's weird. <laughs> I'm very excited to be part of the film, too. It'll be fun. It will be interesting. Woo! Yeah, we're excited for filmmakers to make more things. Always go and make things. And as our friend Bueller always says, give yourself permission to make something bad. Uh, we will respond to all your questions, comments, concerns. If you send us a theme song, we'll put on the show. Even if it's terrible, we'll put on something like if it's just noises of symbols crashing, we'll use it, whatever you want, uh, at GeekSpeakPod on Twitter or hashtag GeekSpeakPod so we can find it easier. And also, you uh, email us at nerdtalkproductionsyt at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening and have a wonderful day. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 